This is Retirement Paradise with Greg Gunther from the Retirement Optimization Group. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Greg provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, Retirement Income Planning, Wealth Management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals your money and your plans in perfect harmony. And now here is Greg Gunther to help you retire in paradise. Aloha and welcome back to Retirement Paradise. This is Greg Gunther from the Retirement Optimization Group. If you'd like more information about what you hear during our show today, just a reminder, you can give us a call at 808-791-2924. You can also visit us online at therogroup.org. Now, for many folks I'm lucky enough to work with, Social Security is a critical part of their overall retirement strategy. And they aren't alone. According to the AARP, Social Security pays out almost $100 a month to around 65 million retirees. Whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. God bless Social Security. $100 That's right. Wow. (laughs) And a a 2020 study referenced by AARP indicates that a whopping 90% of U.S. adults support the program. Now, in this day and age, there aren't many things that 90% of people can get behind. Yeah, Of course, true. when you have so many people relying on something like Social Security, it's only natural for rumors and myths to abound. And it's one of the most critical retirement decisions, honestly, that people can make. We talk a lot about it on this show, but during this episode, we're gonna address some of the more common Social Security myths head on. Now, before we address the myths and the realities of Social Security, you heard him pipe in there. Let me introduce my co-host, Tony Shore, whose importance to the show is definitely no myth. Ah, I don't know about that. Uh, that's nice. Uh, and you picked a great topic. Once my Social Security checks start coming. <laughs> All right, Homer. But you know what? Social Security is an important topic, and I'm excited to talk about it today. I mean, I think a lot of people wonder, hey, is Social Security going to be there when we retire? Or will my benefits somehow shrink and will there be cost of living adjustments and will they keep up with inflation there's a lot here to worry about and people do and social security like you said it's such an important part of retirement for so many people so greg let's jump right into it let's get to some of these social security myths yeah i really like this topic because you know we talk about social security quite a bit on the show and it's very important and we used to actually do seminars uh, just on Social Security. Now, after 2015 Bipartisan Budget Act, Social Security became a little less complicated, although it's still complicated. But it's nice to have something else to talk about for Social Security. And I'm going to reference the AARP article, and this is 10 Social Security Myths That Refuse to Die. And it addresses some of the most commonly heard myths, which I hear all the time. And the first one, of course, as you mentioned, Tony, as you kind of preluded to, is that Social Security is going broke. Now, here's the first fact on this one. Now, according to the article, because Social Security is a pay-as-you-go system, as long as American workers and their employers are paying payroll taxes, the program won't run out of money. Ah, okay. Yeah, in fact, I remember back in the 80s uh, when I was a kid, I remember hearing in the news and my parents talking about how they were saying Social Security is going to run out of money by 1994 or something like that. And of course, mm-hmm. the they found a way to keep it solvent. Uh, so I, I don't think it's going to run out of money. Uh, why do you think that myth refuses to die? 
You know, it's it's a concern for a lot of people too, and it just keeps getting kind of regurgitated over and over. And I remember when I first got into financial services in the '90s, um, they said it was going to be broke by by 2020, and because while Social Security isn't going broke you know it it does face some challenges but here's an interesting fun fact the program took in more than it paid out for several decades leading to a nearly three trillion dollar surplus by the end of 2020 so when they initially predicted it would be bankrupt it actually had three trillion dollars in surplus now as it currently stands the program is beginning to pay out more than it's taking in and that's because the baby boomers, you know, the population of retirees is going higher and higher and higher, and we're living longer. So that group is growing faster than the working population. So without any changes to the program, that surplus, that $3 trillion surplus is expected to run dry around 2034. Wow. Okay. So I, I think uh, that's pretty alarming when you hear it that way. It seems alarming to me anyway. Well, I mean, that's understandable. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to go broke once the surplus is gone. At that point, Social Security will still be bringing in enough money, and they estimate it'll be enough to pay about 78% of the benefits. Now, Congress is going to need to figure out a way to make up for that missing 22%, so they'll have to probably pull some strings here and there. But let me interject my opinion here. Given how important Social Security is to so many people, as we mentioned, 90% of people support the program, I don't think Congress is going to let that program wither away. Yeah, no, no. I, I think that's a real important point because most members of Congress want to get reelected and Social Security has long been the third rail of politics. Uh, they don't want anything to happen to it. A good way to get reelected is keeping Social Security solvent. Right. Yeah, that's going to be interesting, too, in that year. Social Security is going to be about 100 years old uh, by the time that surplus is is gone. Um, another common myth, Social Security age is 65. Now, the reality mm -hmm. is full retirement age is 66 in two months um, for this year for four folks who were born in 1955. Next year, it's 66 in four months. And the next handful of years, the FRA full retirement age nudges up in two months uh, increments until 67. So full retirement age is going to be 67 for everybody born 1960 or later. Now, the 65 myth has lived on because when Social Security was enacted in 1935, 65 was the eligibility age. Now, decades later, that minimum eligibility age dropped to 62, at which point you could take a reduced benefit, but 65 still remained the full retirement age. It changed in 1983 when the full retirement age went up in order to reduce the program's cost. 2002 was actually the last year in which people who turned 65 could receive their full benefit. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I honestly didn't know the history behind all the changes to that full retirement age. I know it has changed over the years. Yeah, and it just makes sense, right? We've lived longer, healthier lives as the lifespan goes up. The full retirement age has to go up along with it. Now, the next myth I've heard a lot during my career, Tony, is the annual cost of living adjustment. So that's what we call the COLA. And the assumption is that it's automatic. You get a COLA every year. Um, by law, benefits must be adjusted annually to keep up with inflation, but that doesn't necessarily mean you get a yearly COLA jump. It's linked to the federal index of prices for certain consumer goods and services. So some things aren't included in there like energy and things like that. So it's called the CPIW, not the regular CPI. Mm -hmm. So I tell my clients that with Social Security, they're not getting the full cola, they're getting the diet cola. 
<laughs> I like that one. I like that one. I, I like Coke Zero, to be honest. Um, <laughs> well, see, zero colas, that's another thing. <laughs> so no price jump. Uh, if there's no price jump, uh, then there's no jump in the cola, is what you're saying. Correct. So if the CPIW doesn't show a measurable price jump, that indicates little to no inflation, means your social security check isn't going to get any bigger. And since the formula went into effect, that actually happened three times, uh, 2010, 2011, and 2016. So regardless of whether the formula calls for a COLA, the process is automatic. Sure. Uh, and I think that's really good information for our listeners out there. Uh, why don't we take a minute? Because I think really what you're saying here, there's a lot to this. You need to be working with a financial services professional uh, to make sure you get it right and don't make any costly mistakes. So how can they get a hold of you? Best way to reach us is give us a call the old fashioned way, 808-791-2924. Um, any questions on Social Security, we're happy to help. As we mentioned before on the show, Tony, we have that Social Security maximization report, gives you all the information you need to, to make the proper decision for filing Social Security. Wow, well, that's great. And once again, give the phone number and web address one more time. Yeah, we actually got a lot of good info on the website. There's social security videos there um, at www.therogroup.org. All right. Sounds good. Now, uh, you've been talking about some of these commonly held myths when it comes to social security. And obviously, social security is a huge part of most people's retirement strategy or needs to be. Uh, and that is going to increase their anxiety about the program and its future. So I'm glad you're addressing these What's the next one you have for us? Well, the next myth is that members of Congress don't have to pay into Social Security. Interesting. And that's been a it's been a long common complaint, actually, that members of Congress don't really give Social Security the proper attention because it doesn't cover them. But however, since 1984, members of Congress, as well as every other federal employee, have been a part of the Social Security program. Before 1984, members of Congress didn't pay into Social Security because they were part of the Civil Service Retirement System, or CSRS. Those who were in office before the beginning of 1984 could still continue utilizing CSRS, but only in conjunction with Social Security. Those elected after January 1st, 1984 are covered by Social Security and the new pension plan FERS that replaced the CSRS. Ah, okay. So <laughs> a lot of government acronyms. I love that. CSRS. <laughs> and I'm glad you cleared that up. It's a myth I'd heard many times that, hey, why doesn't Congress have to pace into Social Security? So uh, that's interesting. What's another one? The next common myth is that government will dip into Social Security to fund other government programs. Now, the two trust funds that pay out Social Security, one's for retirees and their survivors, and the other is for people with disabilities, they actually aren't part of the government's general fund. However, the government can and does borrow from Social Security. Mm. So Social Security's tax revenue is invested in special U.S. Treasury securities. So like with other Treasury Department bonds, the government can spend the money on numerous programs. But like with any bondholder, the Treasury has to pay the money back with interest. Social Security redeems the securities to meet its responsibilities. So that borrowing powers the that rumor that the government is snatching money from Social Security and just leaving a pile of IOUs behind. Not true. In reality, the government has always repaid the money in full. Oh, okay. That's good to know. Uh, I, I know people who essentially view Social Security as a personal retirement savings account for themselves. Is that myth or reality? 
Ah, that's a good question. Um, we actually talk about that quite a bit too, how it was, people think it was designed as like a pension and it wasn't, it was more like social insurance. Um, the government doesn't hold your payroll tax contributions in a personal account like a 401k that's paid back to you. Your social security benefit is determined by the amount of money you earned during your career, not necessarily how much you kick into the system. So again, your contributions cover benefits for current retirees and when you retire, the people that are paying into it cover your benefits. So it's not like it goes into an account and then you get your money back later. It's a mandated tax that you are paying for the current recipients and then you get that benefit when you retire. So rather than thinking of social security as a retirement account, it's better to think of it like an earned benefit from the government that will pay you some level of income during your golden years based on your earnings history. Ah, okay. So uh, that's that's good to know as well. So obviously, um, when you say some income uh, or some level of income, how much are we talking about here? Well, remember, it wasn't designed to replace your your income, the total amount of money that you made while you were while you were working. It's a small month. It basically was designed uh, to keep impoverished old people off the streets. That's why that's the social insurance aspect of it. Um, so for most folks, Social Security provides about 40 percent or so of their pre-retirement earnings. Ah, OK. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, and uh, that's good to know as well. Uh, here's something I've heard a number of times, Greg, and that's you don't have to pay taxes on your Social Security benefits. But is that myth or reality? Well, that would be nice if that was a reality, <laughs> uh, but I'm afraid that one's a myth. <laughs> there is some portion of it that is tax-free, uh, but after 1984, Congress passed the Social Security overhaul that, among other things, dictated that a portion of your Social Security benefits are taxable. And the amount you pay depends on your income level. So you'll pay federal income tax on as much as 50% of your benefit if your income is between 25,000 and 34,000 if you file as an individual or for joint filers it's 32,000 to 44,000. The maximum that it's taxable is 85% of it. So no matter how much money you make, 15% of it is still tax free. And a lot of people always wonder, well gee, that's kind of weird how they tax taxed money. It's a mandated tax that that is paying you. So how is that being taxed? It's simply just a way of reducing your benefit because you make enough money to support yourself. Mm. Okay. Well, that's good. Now, what about state taxes? Yeah, it could be a double whammy for, yeah. for some people. Um, if you owe your state taxes under Social Security, it's going to be uh, these following states. Colorado, Connecticut, Kansas, Minnesota, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, New Mexico, Rhode Island, Vermont, Utah, and West Virginia. Um, all the others, no, no state taxes on Social Security. That's interesting. Of course, Minnesota, my home state's in there. Um, <laughs> uh, that's why you got to move when you retire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nobody's retiring here. Uh, there are a number of reasons, though. The weather is <laughs> number one. Uh, considering everything you've told us so far, uh, that inspires me to note that your Social Security strategy is another good reason to work with a financial services professional. I think. Uh, that's really important. So what's another commonly held myth? Well, another myth is that your ex-spouse's benefit is comes out of your own and, and it reduces your benefit. Mm. And the fact is that if you're divorced, your former spouse may be eligible, have to be married 10 years and divorced too, to receive a social security benefit based on your earnings history. Now, similar to benefits for a current spouse, 
it is as high as 50% of your what's called PIA, primary insurance amount. It's your benefit at full retirement age, essentially. But here's the really important part. Benefits for your current or your ex-spouse do not shrink your benefit. They're separate payments that don't affect the size of your check. So in theory, Tony, somebody could actually get married, be married for 10 years, divorce, remarry, be married for 10 years, divorce, remarry, <laughs> be married for 10 <laughs> years and divorce, and all three ex-spouses oh. could get up to 50% of your benefit and it doesn't reduce your benefit. So even though somebody's collecting off your benefit, you, that doesn't affect your own benefit. Even though they get money too, you still get the same amount. So, Right. Yeah. Now there is a family limit. So if you've got um, eligible kids or grandkids um, and spouse, ex-spouse, there's a family limit to how much you can collect. Right. Yeah. There you go. Well, no matter what, you get the benefits you're entitled to. I think that's the bottom line. Right. Right. Now, another myth I bet um, many of today's listeners have probably heard is that you'll permanently lose benefits if you choose to keep working. Now, Social Security does have earnings limit rules and it, it does temporary slash the benefits for people who are still working if you file early. Now, however, the rule doesn't impact all your beneficiaries and it's also temporary. The rule covers those who take benefits before their full retirement age. And in this scenario, Social Security would withhold a portion of benefits uh, if earnings from a job rise above a certain cap. Now the cap changes every year. Uh, currently it's right around 18,500-ish. Um, and if you, for every $2 over that you earn, they take a dollar of your benefits away. Now once you get to your full retirement age, no earnings limit, you can make as much as you want and they don't touch your benefit. Well, that's good. That's good to know. And obviously, uh, you need to understand this stuff. Uh, you know, you've you've debunked several of these commonly held myths so far. Some of them have surprised me. Uh, what do you have next for us? Well, we're going to stick with Social Security, and sh but shift our focus a bit to look at some of the other Social Security. Um, aspects and the things that they can provide that people might not be aware of. And so I'm going to reference another AARP article, Eight Things You Didn't Know Social Security Could Do For You, and it has some really useful information. Uh, first is expedited disability claims. So in 2021, the average time for processing a Social Security disability claim was more than five months. Now that's just the initial application. It can take several more months, even years, to appeal if you're denied. Now this new law called the Compassionate Allowances Program consists of 250 serious medical conditions that meet the standard for disability. So you don't have to go through all that stuff. Applications for social security disability, if you meet these requirements, um, can be approved in just a few days. Oh, okay. Well, and a wait of many months would be devastating for somebody with a serious illness. So those Compassionate Allowances, uh, that program sounds like a really bit of a dose, I should say, of good news for some people. Yeah, exactly. And representative payee services are also available for beneficiaries who may not be able to handle their own payments. So representative payees often work with young children, uh, people with cognitive disorders or development disabilities. Now you have these representative payees, it's appointed by Social Security and has the authority to receive 
another person's benefits to handle that person's needs for them, such as food, water, shelter, health care, and other essentials. Uh, generally, representative payee is a family member or close friend uh, through its, uh, certain circumstances and organizations like nursing homes, for example, uh, could be appointed to handle that role. Social Security takes steps to hold payees accountable for how much money is being sent and using money for personal expenses is strictly prohibited. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, the price of prescription drugs has been in the news a lot. And uh, yeah, does Social Security provide any relief on that front? Well, there is a program called Extra Help, which is operated by Social Security and the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. And they may be able to reduce some prescription drug costs for those low-income Medicare recipients, um, up to about 5000 a year. It's available for those who are enrolled in Medicare A and or B and have an income of no more than 20000 385 a year for an individual, 27,000 for married couples who live together. So there's also strict limits on assets like savings accounts, investments, and property. So very similar to Medicaid, which is needs-based, Medicare is qualified-based, age-based. Yeah, there you go. Well, and you know, the extra help program that you're talking about sounds like it's really an essential lifeline for a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. They have a lot of really kind of unique programs, um, such as translation and interpretation services. Many people who speak English as a second language need to reach out uh, to staff for help, make themselves comfortable as possible. Social Security provides complimentary interpreter services to anyone who makes a request or demonstrates a need for language assistance. Well, and as you've talked about on other shows, some Social Security beneficiaries work in foreign countries and some foreign nationals work here in America. So what services are available for that if you're working out of the country or if you're foreign and working here? Well, for folks in either of those situations, um, you may be facing dual payroll taxation. That's having to pay two different countries' retirement systems from the same wage. So to reduce confusion, Social Security has agreements with 30 countries that have similar retirement programs. So these agreements typically allow workers to pay payroll taxes to one country's retirement system at a time. Social Security also allows workers covered by the agreements to combine credits that they've earned from employment in more than one country to ensure that they qualify for the retirement benefits in the country where they're gonna be claiming. Ah, okay. Well, those those agreements sound like they would be helpful, but paying in two different countries retirement systems sounds like another good reason to work with a financial services professional. Yep, I've seen that a couple of times too. I've wow. um, got a couple of clients that have dual residencies. Um, Canada has a very similar social security system, so I've, I've actually dealt with that. Um, one that's kind of be aware of that might actually be more hitting home uh, to some of our listeners is the benefits to grandchildren. So as the article explains, almost three million children in the United States are being raised by grandparents right now. So many of those kids um, can be eligible for social security benefits. So in many cases, if you're providing at least half of your grandchild's financial support and their natural parents are either deceased, disabled, or unable simply to regularly provide support, the child can collect dependent benefits like a spousal benefit or also your survivor benefit. If something happens to you, if you pass away, they could be eligible for that. So if you're already claiming social security and you're taking care of a grandchild, just be note that you have to legally adopt them in order for them to receive these benefits. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. And I think 
obviously uh, social security benefits for a grandchild that they're raising is something that could provide retirees with some comfort. Yes, if any of our listeners are about to welcome a new baby into the world, they should be aware that they can apply for their baby's social security number before you even leave the hospital. Oh, wow. Sooner the better, because you need that number to claim as a dependent sure. on your tax return and get them covered by your medical insurance. So yeah. that's, do that right that's away. A, that's a good little tip right there. Obviously, you want to do that. Well, this has been a great show, Greg, but we're out of time. Is there anything else you want to add before we say goodbye today? Well, I think it was um, kind of fun to talk about. So most time we talk about Social Security, it's when to file, when your spouse should file, how to calculate joint lifetime benefits, the reduction, all that stuff. So I kind of enjoyed bringing some other topics to Social Security on today's show. If you have any questions about what we discussed or if you want those dollars numbers and you want that financial report, that's a Social Security maximization report complimentary happy to provide it to any listeners just reach out you can reach us online at the drop us a line or give us a call at 808-791-2924 all right thanks greg and listeners that does it for today's episode of retirement paradise with our host greg gunther thank you for listening to retirement paradise don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan for more information please contact greg gunther at the retirement optimization group Call 808-791-2924 or visit their website at therogroup.org. Greg Gunther and the Retirement Optimization Group are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation.